all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> just sounded sick i'm rachel <laughs> and i'm david and this is all bad things i ran out of anything creative to do well it's 205 episodes <laughs> this in. is episode 205 <laughs> yeah so i think we all understand <laughs> i understand yes and welcome everybody welcome <laughs> follow us insta twitter facebook at all bad things pod emails all bad things pod at gmail.com uh join our discord and our facebook discussion group um we may or may not be doing an ask ask us anything pod because no one has no asked, one's asked us, us anything. anything. Okay, <laughs> which is kind of sad. <laughs> we'll just have to ask each other things. <laughs> ask each other anything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it could be interesting. Could be also terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, yeah, I think, I, mean, I think we'll stay away from that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess technically, if you if you want to ask us a question, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> on social media so maybe that's oh, it. That, that might be it <clears throat> um let's see let us see. it feels like it's been a while since we've recorded it does yeah a couple weeks maybe we oh, can change something like that the hurricanes are on to a whole new series yes they are as of now yes um well and even if things don't go well saturday as of the day so we're recording friday Monday, the series will still be ongoing. So by the time this episode comes out, yes, yes, it will. Yeah, they're doing Saturday and Monday Tuesday. or Tuesday. That's mm-hmm. right. They they have um to come back to North Carolina. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Unfortunately, we are in a two to one hole, but on the back foot a little bit. Huh? Yeah, but yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried. Well, good. (laughs) You did get to go to um, another game this series. I did, yes. I went to game two of the series with my sister. That's good. It was fun. Yes. Even though they lost. Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. But it was was her first playoff game, and I kind of realized, like, I was like, really? And then I kind of realized, like, I'm kind of spoiled because I've lived in a... NHL NHL City for 14 years, so Mm. I've been to all sorts of events. Not the Stanley Cup Finals, though, because they have mm. never made the finals since I've been here. If it happens, are you? I'm going to at least one game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, gotcha. I don't. I kind of care what it costs, but not really. Well, I mean, <laughs> as long as, as, it's, not, as, long as it's not stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I think once you're pushing, and this is a very privileged thing to say, but once you're pushing four figures, it's going to be a little. Oh, I'm the, I, the. I doubt it'll get that high. Yeah. It will for the lower bowl, which is not where I'll right. be. Right. But, uh, right. yeah. But anyway. Mm. That was Hockey Corner. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Follow the hockey. Hockey, hockey, hockey night in Raleigh. <laughs> Molson, the... Molson's Hockey Night in Raleigh. <laughs> the Hockey Guy on YouTube if you want, a, want more breakdowns, right? Yes. Isn't that his name? Mm-hmm. Hockey the Hockey Guy. guy. Yeah, he's cute. He he's is. very. I call him the hockey dad because he just seems like a dad <laughs> <laughs> in his basement with his little magnets mm-hmm. and dry bumper stickers marker. and yes, whiteboards. <laughs> yep. Um, what are you drinking? I am having the finest <laughs> national local beer. 
See, it's funny because the cans are, the the design on the can is throwing me because it's dark blue. It looks like Bud Light. Yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your opinion, what's the difference in the taste between a Bud Light and a Miller Light? Uh, Bud Light just tastes like shit to me. Like, it really does. I, I don't Miller like it. Miller tastes like licking the back of an envelope. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Bud Light tastes worse than that. <laughs> I, I don't. I know I've had a Bud Light. I can't recall. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> I can't best. Recall what it tastes can't like. recall. It's probably best that way. <laughs> I have um, a shotgun Betty, the last in a, a pack, courtesy of our friends Jason and Sarah. So yes. thank you, Jason and Sarah. Um, out of Lone Rider, it's a. Uh, I feel like Shotgun Betty is like our household's like staple. Sure. Local staple. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's a good pickup. I'm scintillating tonight. Yes, <laughs> very much so. We should probably just get to the topic. I am attempting to adjust to your your schedule mm-hmm. and you work nights. <laughs> so I'm trying to be a little more accommodating of that and uh, staying up later and getting up later. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can see why it's a little... Not your favorite thing, yeah. working overnight. Yeah. It's a little weird. <laughs> like, like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not teasing or anything, but you're like, oh, I stayed up two thirty in the morning. Like at two thirty in the morning, I'm working. Right. Yeah. <laughs> two thirty is like your equivalent of what six p.m. or something. Well, it's like, like that. what two thirty in the afternoon would be to. Yeah, it's, but it's not just exactly. The, sure, it is. It's taking the schedule oh, okay. and flipping it. Yeah. Well, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're at, you're right. towards the end of your day. Yeah. But it's still two thirty in the but morning. But you work twelve hour shifts. You mm-hmm. work long shifts. I feel like that distorts time too. It kind of does a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But um, so uh, we talked about watching through backwards from one hundred to one the AFI's mm-hmm. one hundred best movies or whatever. Of course, they left Ben Hur on the list <laughs> as at number one hundred. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's only four hours long. <laughs> we're both like, like, I don't think we're going to make it through Ben Hur tonight. Yeah, that's that's, that's going to take a couple of viewings. <laughs> I think so. At least. <clears throat> yeah. No. I, yeah. That's going to that's gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah. Chariot race. <laughs> I'm going with three viewings to get through all that. <laughs> Probably. It's like four hours long. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Anyway, we are going to play a very special game of script roulette tonight. Listener script roulette. Listener script roulette. There you go. We have four. Mm-hmm. That was a demonstration. Yes. Four listener scripts here because I didn't do any research and we still have listener scripts. Now, what will it be? Will it be a, an error, error disaster script? Will it be something else? <laughs> or will it be an air disaster script? I'm going with an air disaster script. So we have number one, two, three, and four. Which door are you picking? I'm going to go with this one. Let's see what we got. Door number two is the is MV Bukoba. Okay, I have no idea what the hell that is. Yeah, well, let's find out. It's, Let us find out. Now, is, is that an air disaster? I, I don't know. Uh, this is actually our nautical disaster. Oh, okay. Yep. Now, look at this beautiful pronunciation card. Mm-hmm. Not only spelled out phonetically, but highlighted. Nice. So... This is from our listener, Rachel. Oh, okay. Not me, Rachel. Yes. Another Rachel. Yes. Yes. And uh, that's uh, Rachel with the A-E-L spelling, all fancy. Uh, and this is, a, so this is a story, yes, of the MV Bukoba. So now I should say Rachel did 
email me saying, hey, this uh, disaster's 25th anniversary is coming up. Oh, So maybe okay. it's good timing. I had already planned the um, uh, the Ficari episodes, mm-hmm. so we didn't get that we're a couple weeks late, but better late than never. It's close so. enough. Uh, so this the anniversary would have been May twentieth, nineteen ninety six. Okay. So, so it would have been May twentieth of this year. So twenty five years and two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on May twentieth, nineteen ninety six, the MV Bukoba docked at Cayman. Kemondo Bay on the western shores of Lake Victoria at tw- oh boy 2230 that's 10:30 p.m. Mm-hmm. yep uh, EAT which is Eastern African time to load passengers and cargo it was observed on arrival that the pier was full with passengers ready to board contrary to normal procedures at 11:45 p.m. EAT the vessel departed from Kemondo Bay for its next and final destination of Mwanza on the southeastern shore of Lake Victoria with the expected arrival time of 8.30 a.m. It never made it. Mm. On May 21st at 7.35 a.m., MV Bukoba capsized 30 nautical miles or 56 kilometers off Mwanza in 25 meters or, oh, 14 fathoms. That's very fancy. Okay. Of water. Oh, killing approximately? You want to take a guess at this? I'm horrible at guesses. I'm going to go with uh, 300 people. 894 people. Yeah, that that deserves a Samsonite right there. Uh, It does, but... 894? Almost 900 people. So close to everybody? I don't know. I don't know how many people were on board. Let's find out. So, um... Uh, primary references are Wikipedia, geography.name, the causes and prevention of human error, contri- oh boy, human error contributing to maritime accidents in Tanzania by Gerson Jaffet Fumbuka, uh, World Maritime University Dissertations, 1999, uh, Pakwa.or.ke, uh, The Ship of Doom by Andrew Purvis, I guess we're learning a lot about what we're about to hear about. <laughs> Yes, yes, Something like are. that. Uh, Tanzania's Titanic disaster, MV Bukoba, from 19, 1st of September 1996, posted on tzaffairs.org. Okay, so this is so we have never done the actual Titanic, but a couple of episodes That's ago right. we did the Canadian, Canadian. Titanic. Tanzania's Titanic. Mm-hmm. Also, we've not been to Tanzania before I in an don't episode. I think so, uh-huh. no. Um, remembering those who died in MV Bukoba and Daily New Tanzania. So, Geography Corner. Excellent, because as I said, I don't think we've been here before. The United Republic of Tanzania is the largest country in East Africa, and there's a lot of big countries in yes, Africa, there are. too. Yes, With an area of 945,087 square kilometers. So, for scale, very helpfully, Rachel put in, Alaska and Texas would fit into Tanzania. Okay. Those are our two biggest states, right? I know Alaska's enormous. Alaska is the biggest, and I think California's second. Okay, Texas is huge, though. Texas is also, yeah, yeah size-wise, yeah. I would say those are the... Top three, three biggest probably. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> and has a population as of 2018 of 56 million. It shares its borders to the north with Kenya and Uganda, to the west with Rwanda, uh, Burundi, 
and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, to the southwest with Zambia, and to the south, Mozambique and Malawi. Now, we have been to Mozambique, I believe. That was the, um, the fire depot, or the firearms depot explosion. We, I oh, think okay. that was... I just, who oh knows? my goodness. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Should never try to remember. Uh, <laughs> Anything ever. <laughs> yes. The country borders the Indian Ocean to the east, which is known as the Swahili Coast. That includes the several islands, including the Zanzibar Archipelago and the Mafia Uh-oh. Island. And Mafia <clears throat> Island. Now, if I get this wrong, I will never forgive myself. But I think... Freddie Mercury was born on Zanzibar. Yeah, was, I think you told me that before. It wasn't Madagascar. I, th- I believe it was Zanzibar, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Because I know he was born on an island off of Africa. I think that's what it was. Anyway. Uh, the Tanzanians are made up of 156 ethnic tribes, all with their own languages, making it the most linguistically diverse country in East Africa. All four of Africa's language, language families are spoken here. Bantu... Kushitic, Nilotic, Ko- and Ko- Ko- boy. Khoisan. I hope that's right. Sure. Even with the his pronunciation guide, sometimes it's tricky. Most citizens will speak their tribal language, their mother tongue, as well as the official language, uh, which is Swahili. Swahili, also the official language in Kenya, Rwanda, Congo, and Uganda, is a, ooh, a lingua franca which is a bridging language, I've never heard of that, of the African Great Lakes region, derived mostly from Bantu, but including loanwords from Arabic, English, Portuguese, Hindi, Persian, and Malagasy. Hmm. It's quite a mix. Yeah. So most of the foreign words used in this story are Swahili, which have the pronunciations Ah, included. Thank you. Other words are tribal, and your guess would be as good as mine. Okay, well, that'll be fun then. The domestic capital is Dodoma, only because it's the center of the country, but its financial capital is Dar es Salaam, as it's one of the largest ocean ports of East Africa and its proximity to the Zanzibar archipelago. I said archipelago. Is it archipelago or archipelago? I think either way. I I always said archipelago. Mm. Tanzania has an equatorial climate, but this varies by region due due to the topography. This is split into four seasons, the long rains, March to May, the dry season, June to October, the short rains, you know you have a lot of rain if there's a long rain season and and a a short short rain rain season, Um, October to December, and the hot season, December to February. It's a lot different than uh, Mm -hmm. spring, summer, (laughs) fall, and winter. Completely turned around. The temperature ranges from 25 to 31 degrees Celsius or 77 to 87.8 Fahrenheit from November to February and 15 to 20 Celsius or 59 to 68 from May to August. The average rainfall in Mwanza in May uh, is area and month of incident is 76 millimeters in a month with an average minimum temperature of 17 Celsius or 62.6 Fahrenheit and average maximum temperature around 27 Celsius or 80.6 Fahrenheit. Okay, I don't know how big, (laughs) I don't know how tall 76 millimeters is, but sure. Yep. It's a one thousandth of one meter times... Well, how many Seven. millimeters are in a centimeter? A hundred millimeters? Mill, mill is a thousand. No, but how many... If And now I'm talking about centimeters, not just meters. Centi is a hundred. Okay. So there's a, 
a hundred millimeters in a centimeter? No, that's not right. That's not right. That's, that's... Ten millimeters in a centimeter? That makes more sense. Oh my god. All I know is that the root word, mills, no, I thousand, am with you. I understand. Cent is a hundred. What see what this is playing on <laughs> <laughs> is the metric system and math. Yes. <laughs> That's no good. <laughs> the for metric us. system, number one, we don't even have over here. In math we both suck at. Well, it, we do actually have the metric I suck system. At. We do have the metric system over here. Um, but it's no, we not no, we don't. In scientific applications, absolutely. But that, but that's it. Not culturally. Not culturally. Yeah. That's it. We we do still have the empirical yeah. system. Otherwise, yeah, it is it is bizarre because we're left looking like fucking idiots when we say things yes. like this. So <laughs> yes, I constantly have to look at not constantly, but every every now and then have to look at Google for a liters, milliliter. Like, what is the how much am I putting in here? <laughs> <laughs> Because Tanzania is so close to the equator, the average daylight throughout the year is about 12 hours, give or take an hour. Oh, that's interesting. That makes sense. That's the whole point of the equator. <laughs> You're basically it's sitting like right equal. on it, pretty much. That would be so strange, like not having the variation of sunlight in the seasons. But at the same time, every day is the same. Just all and, and equal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Equal day to night. How in- that's interesting. Hmm. Approximately, I'm gonna like accidentally hit the. <laughs> space bar here um approximately 38 percent of tanzania's land area is set aside as protected areas of conservation there are 17 national parks including serengeti which i've oh, heard okay. of yeah. uh-huh, which is about the same size as belgium and famous for the great migration of wildebeests and kilimanjaro national a dormant volcano now the highest mountain in africa and highest freestanding mountain in the world hmm freestanding mm-hmm. at 5895 meters or 19341 feet it's almost 4 miles yes mhm mm-hmm. <laughs> took me too long to do the math 29 and we're, and we're changing up figures again that now we're in miles 29 game reserves including a salu game reserve 40 controlled conservation areas including no wrong no wrong grow conservation area the largest intact caldera or collapsed volcano and the seat of humanity after the discover of the earliest specimens of the human genus homo habilis and marine parks damn tanzania has like everything going on i have absolutely heard of serengeti and i have absolutely heard of kilimanjaro Mm -hmm. those are two like global iconic places so uh, there are many conservation projects ongoing, including the Big Cats Conservation Initiative, the Grumetti Fund, Mkomazi Mc- Carnivore Project, and Serengeti Wild Dogs Conservation Project. Jane Goodall spent oh, okay. 60 years in Gombe Stream National Park studying wild chimpanzees. Okay, so this is where I know who that is. Jane Goodall worked, yeah. Two of those national parks are located... Uh, Two of those national parks are located in Lake Victoria, uh, Sadani National Park in Mwanza, and Rubondo Island National Park. Lake Vic- I have heard of Lake Victoria, too. Uh, Lake Victoria is the largest of the African Great Lakes, which I didn't know Africa had Great Lakes. That's pretty cool. That the world's largest tropical lake and the second largest body of freshwater by surface area in the world after Lake Superior. That's interesting. Its service area is approximately 59,947 square kilometers, or 23,146 square miles, holds a volume of 2,424 kilometers 
or cubed, wait, kilometers cubed or cubed kilometers? Yeah, either way. Either way. <laughs> um, <laughs> they know what we're saying. Anyway, there's many more numbers. It's a I'm lot just, of water. It's a lot of water. Um, maximum, an average depth of 40 meters or 130 feet, but maximum depth as much as that at sounds 80, like a great lake. meters. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. The African Great Lakes are a series of lakes formed along the East African Rift System, which is a rift developing divergent tectonic plate boundary where the African plate is tearing in two because of the African Somalian plate and African Nubian plate. This tearing of the continent is still very much in process with highways being torn apart as the land moves. It's called a it's called continental divide is what it's called. That well, phenomenon. When when but a it li- but it literally is... only moves like a half an inch a year. It's not like but over, tearing apart and but, all of a sudden But a half an inch or a quarter of an inch a year after 30 years, you know, it adds up. Well, even a half an inch, yeah, you're going to start yeah. tearing apart mm-hmm. like infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, it is also rife with but, but, active... But it's, al- but it's also natural. I mean, that's it how is. we have all the mm-hmm. continent, the different continents that we have. That's right. And not just Pangea mm-hmm. anymore, right? Uh, it is also rife with active and dormant volcanoes. Eventually, this tearing and expansion of the rift will result in the Horn of Africa, or Somalia and part of Ethiopia, and the east section of Africa tearing off from the African mainland continent to be its own island with Somalia, and eastern Ethiopia... Kenya, Tanzania, and northern Mozambique. That's interesting. Isn't it? I mean, I'm sure it's like years Thousands away, of years but away. still. Yeah. One day. Oh, wait. But this final rupture is estimated to take place in 10 million years. Oh, so 10 million. <laughs> uh-huh. So we'll see it then. And then Rachel said, add pessimistic comment on the likelihood of the planet existing or human life still being around considering how fast we are destroying ourselves now. Well, that's the thing. Like... We'll probably be gone in ten million years. The planet, right. the planet is always going to be here. Yeah, I mean it. It is. Yeah, but unless it gets completely it, destroyed it by will, some asteroid or something. And even then, I mean that already happened. But I mean the. Well, yeah. But before that happened, the the planet for humans mm-hmm. would have been uninhabitable. Yes. Everything was really warm, really gaseous, and you know plant life, and I mean, and dinosaurs. Like we would not have made it. No, David. The Earth is 6,000 years old and Adam and Eve were here from the beginning. What are you talking about? I, I forgot. <laughs> All due respect, actually, not really. <laughs> it's hard to respect that. It's hard to respect the six... Like, if they had said 16,000 years, like, they might have gotten away with it, but <laughs> since we know that the Earth is older than 6,000 years, strictly because there are trees that are older than that, it the math just doesn't... Well, there are... It's spiritual math. To be fair, there are some people who are like, you know, we don't necessarily believe in that as a literal, something to be literally interpreted, more of like a, either an origin story, and I mean people of faith, right. or um, like there's a Bible verse that says like a, a, a day in our, uh, um, a thousand years in our lives is like a day to God or something like that. It's, it's so... Some people aren't, like, hanging their hats on that fact, which is smart. Some people are not. <laughs> too many people are. Too, way too many people are, yeah. <laughs> so here is a, a picture of the the rift. Mm-hmm. And you can see where the highway yep. is splitting there. Like, with cars mm-hmm. going over it, too. But so that's the... Um, that's what it's going to look yes, like. Yes, the imagery of mm-hmm. what it would probably that's look like. That's hmm. interesting. Yeah, it is. 
I guess just using models. Sure. Modeling. Oh, here's like Victoria. That actually looks really pretty. It does look, look pretty. Look at those rocks. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. Look at that rock is just like suspended. I know it looks on like its, it's own. balancing. Yes, it does. Hanging there. It almost looks like a not well, Stonehenge, if, but if these are well, they call them the African Great Lakes, then they mm-hmm. were probably formed the same way that the North American Great Lakes were mm. was through uh um glaciers and then those glaciers going away. Mm. Which is why you have There's rocks mm-hmm. remaining, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why you have them smoothed out the way they are. Yeah, oh like from you, erosion over the mm-hmm. years, yeah. Look at me, the the amateur geologist. <laughs> is that your new? Hobby? But that really is how that's how the North no. American mm-hmm. Great Lakes were formed were were from glaciers. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. I I would definitely go there. Um, if we oh. could take a high speed rail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rachel also said, just in case you are wondering, Lake Victoria is approximately twenty five hundred kilometers north of Victoria Falls. Located on the Zambia-Zimbabwe border and are only connected by the person they are named after, Queen Victoria. Okay, mm. that's that's good to know. Uh, Victoria Falls is someplace I would love to go. Yeah, that it, does look pretty cool. It, absolutely amazing. So Lake Victoria was formed... Oh, well, here we go. Now we're going to learn oh. how it was formed. It was formed around 400,000 years ago and today straddles three countries, Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania, and it's roughly split between Uganda and Tanzania, and like about six percent of it falls in Kenya. Uh, Lake Victoria receives eighty percent of its water supply by rainfall, as well as by rivers and thousands of streams, but is solely drained via the Nile River on the northern shore in Uganda. Because of this, Lake Victoria is the main contributor of the Nile River, but not the source of the Nile, which is suspected to be to be the Nyungwe Forest in Rwanda. The lake and its surrounding wetlands are are home to hippopotamus, which are very they are mean dangerous creatures. as fuck. Yes, from what I understand. They kill way more humans a year than just about any animal on that continent, They're I believe. Mean mofos. Probably next to snakes, I would think. No sleep till hippo. Yeah. <laughs> no sleep, no hippo. <laughs> um, African clawless and spotted neck otters. Oh. Oh my god, I wish like six people told us what a group of otters is called. It's like called a romp or something. Oh, okay. Like something something fun. It, it, it starts with an R. And everybody's like screaming at me. We told you. Why don't you remember? Um Marsh Mongoose, a variety of antelope, the Nile crocodile, monitor lizards, those things are and a variety of turtles. Uh, I was thinking the Nile crocodile was way more dangerous than. That's true. I think you just sort of glossed <laughs> over the Nile crocodile. You just went right over that one. <laughs> Home did on the monitor. Crocodiles, which are literally like crocodiles and alligators, are literally dinosaurs. Like they. Yeah. Uh huh. They are the basically. Yes, mm-hmm. they are the oldest, one of the oldest known species on Earth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're fucking scary. There's Again, a. I did just sort of gloss over. There's a reason they've been around for tens of millions of years. <laughs> It is also home to some species of fish, of fish, such as cichlids. Piranha. Uh, not seeing anything. Any mention? <laughs> Aren't piranhas in the Amazon? I feel like is that the only place though? I thought they were. I doubt it's the only place, but I I associate piranhas with South America for some reason. That's true. That could just be my yeah. imagination. But... So we won't go there either. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go romping through the Amazon. Um, specifically the Sing, boy, Singida tilapia 
and Victoria yeah. tilapia. Ooh, tilapia is good. <laughs> if you eat them. Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean. <laughs> In a disaster. Oh, there was <laughs> there was a Top Chef. I'm sorry, I've mentioned Top Chef like six times tonight in just our conversation. But there was a Top Chef where they were serving like average people. Usually it's judges and mm-hmm. like culinary experts. Sure. But they ha- they'll do like seen those normal episodes. people yeah. episodes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> normal people episodes. <laughs> well, because here's why it's funny. <laughs> one of the chefs, it was like some festival they were serving at, right? And one of the chefs like gives this dish to um, a plebe. <laughs> Basically just like an average person. Oh, a muggle. And they were like, Oh, this is delicious. What is it? Tilapia? And they were like, it's Chilean sea bass. Either way. <laughs> but it's literally between like what you Close can get enough. in the grocery store and like one of the most expensive versions. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to fish. tell. I'd be like, oh, it's really good. No, and, and that's fine. I don't think it that matters. What matters is just like, oh, oh is God, it, tilapia? let me name a fish. Yeah, is this <laughs> a rock bass? Yes, it is. Ah. <laughs> uh, in a disaster of its own, these species were dangerously close to extinction and an estimated 200 other species, 90% of the endemic species species of Lake Victoria, are extinct due to the introduction of the invasive Nile perch okay. in the 1950s, which can grow up to two meters. It's a big perch. Perch is good fish, too. <laughs> I just love how you equate everything to how. Well, it there's tastes. a lot. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of perch like where I grew up. So. Okay, what was the the main fish that people would fish for in the Saint Lawrence? Uh, I mean, that um, had a lot of different types of bass, um, uh, pikes, uh, hmm. like Great Northern pikes, pretty pretty big fish. They grow up to like probably I don't know six seven eight feet. Something like that. Jesus. Yeah, they get pretty big. Long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ew. Yeah, they're big. Mm. I'm from places where people catch, like, marlin and shit, Which I are guess. way bigger. <laughs> pretty big. <laughs> yeah, you grew up in a place where there's ocean fish to catch. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But the Nile perch has been declining since the 1990s, and on the miracle side, some species which were thought to be extinct have been rediscovered. Really? It's Well, it makes sense because, like, extinction is just as far as we know, it's right? true. It doesn't As far mean... as what's on record. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A distinctive feature of the lake is the granite and nice J... Sorry, <laughs> that's not the letter. <laughs> G-N-E-I-S-S. I've never seen that word. Anyway, mm-hmm. outcroppings, known as copies, a result of the volcanic activity along the Rift Valley. That is what those um, those rocks we were looking at. So that is the result of volcanic activity. Interesting. As opposed okay. to glacial activity, I ah. guess. Which makes sense if it's close to the equator. Sure. You know. I guess were glaciers around the equator during the Ice Age? Sure, why not? <laughs> I just love that I constantly bring up questions we couldn't possibly answer, so. <laughs> let, me, let me bust out my faux geology degree. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, volcano, not a glacier. Sorry. Well, and we inevitably have like 27 smarter people who I do know this questions. for sure. The North American Great Lakes were formed from glaciers. There you glaciers. go. Yay. Good for you. <laughs> and watch somebody else like put that onto it like, oh, no, it's actually because of this. Right. right. I swear to God, I was told that. (laughs) So Lake Victoria, as a major body of water in sub-Saharan Africa, has always been important for the history of human development. 
Arab traders were the first to record its existence, calling it Ukarewai, while in search of gold, ivory, and slaves as part of the East African Indian Ocean trade routes. That's what I search for every day. <laughs> gold, <laughs> ivory, and slaves. Oh. Yes. When, uh-huh. I go, when I go to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Are we really making jokes about enslaved people? But it's just like, but it's just like they were just in search of gold, ivory, and slaves. Like that was like a normal day. Well, okay, granted to somebody back then. Granted, humankind has made some leaps and bounds. (laughs) Now, sadly, there are also. What are you guys looking for? I found some over here. Sadly, there are also people looking to bring us back to these times. Yeah, but. The native name for the body of water is dependent on which side of the shore you stood, and that makes sense because it's such a big place. On western shores in Uganda, it was called Nalubale, meaning mother of guardian gods. On eastern sh- eastern shores near Kenya, it was Namlole, no, sorry, Namlolwe, or the endless lake. And on the southern shores, Tanzania, it was Ukawere. Oh, that's the same one, Ukawere. Ukewe- Oh, no, other way around, Weiwei. Anyway, I'm going to stumble so much. After the Kurewe people, or Nyanza, altered over time from Nyanja, Nyan, oh boy, Nyanja, yes, meaning a large body of water. Okay. I love how, like, names come from just that big lake, <laughs> the body of water, the mountain, you know? It's like very, and they sound Volcano. so, they sound so, like, poetic yes. now, but it was literally just someone saying, Hey, over by the big rock, we you know? I think that's what that is. We're not really <laughs> yeah. sure, though. Right. The first European to touch the shores of Lake Victoria was British explorer John Hanning Speak in, in 1858 while exploring Central Africa and in search of the Great Lakes with Richard Francis Burton, who was at the time... Richard Burton. <laughs> not that Richard Burton. Oh, well, maybe. You never know. <laughs> oh, he was 100 <laughs> years in old. An- in another life. <laughs> at the time, sick and recovering on the shores of Lake... Tonga Nika. The modern day location of this event, Speak Bay and the Speak Gulf, north of Monza City, was named in his honor. Speak, believing he had found the source of the Nile River, which he described as a, quote, vast expanse of open water, end quote, named it after Queen Victoria. Colonialism strikes again. Speak was con- was to contribute in a debate in England over the source of the Nile, but died the day before in a hunting accident from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So he killed himself accidentally mm-hmm. in a well, hunting that, accident. That happens. I guess an happens accidental ta- discharge of a firearm. Happens, happens huh? all the time. Yeah. Hunters die every year from, from self-inflicted yeah. wounds. I mean, they do. I guess I think of it more as like somebody else accidentally shooting you. That know, too. But yeah. Firearms are dangerous. They certainly can be. Don't feel too sorry for him. His bullshit views on racial ethnicity was a likely was likely a contributing factor in the conditions leading to the Rwandan genocide. Okay. Those are always fun. well. Then bye bye. Speak. Jeez. It wasn't until eighteen seven. Fortunately, somebody took his place to to see through. Right. The, there's uh... plenty of people to like, <laughs> yeah. carry on the. Yeah. Col- colonization. Yeah. It wasn't until 1875 that Welsh-American journalist and explorer Sir Henry Morton Stanley confirmed Speak's discovery and he cir- and which he circumnavigated from March to May of the same year, providing a detailed map of the lake. 
it's about this time, like the 1880s, that the scramble for Africa, aka partition of Africa, conquest of Africa, or a little more descriptively, the rape of Africa, began, which was the invasion, occupation, division, and colonization of most of Africa by seven of the most powerful nations of Europe. What are you talking about? I, I just I just thought those people were uh, poor because they're lazy and unde- uneducated. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. <laughs> That's what some will lead you to believe, though. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was talking to somebody about, you know, like how horrible American colonization was of what we now know is the United States. And it was like, oh, well, you know, uh, that's what people have done over centuries and everything. I'm like, it was true, (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't make it okay. (laughs) It doesn't make it okay. And it doesn't mean that we get off scot-free to like reparations or anything, you know, it doesn't excuse it. The Ayatollah, Okay, mm-hmm. and people have pointed this out. The Ayatollah is still on Twitter. And what? I'm yes, sorry, hold yes, on. Yes, that, the Ayatollah is yes, on Twitter. Yes. And people have said, like, you know, um, like, how can Donald Trump be off of Twitter <laughs> when the Ayatollah is still on Twitter? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, that's not the defense that you think it is. <laughs> I'm like, yes, let's explore that, shall we? <laughs> What does that mean about, what does that tell you? Like, what is that telling you about Donald Trump that, you know? (laughs) If the Ayatollah is less divisive and more peaceful. Can manage to stay on Twitter. (laughs) Because when you said that the Ayatollah was on Twitter, the first thing I thought is, isn't Trump not on Twitter? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Didn't get deplatformed from Twitter for being such a fucking asshole? (laughs) But the Ayatollah is still on there. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't. It's still funny to me that people the Pope have, is on Twitter. But, you know. But people have made that argument like over and over again. I'm like, I'm like, that's just not. That's not a very good argument. <laughs> Do you see who you're comparing him to? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, the British Empire made the territory of Kenya a protectorate in 1888 and Uganda a protectorate in 1894, which became known as the British East Africa. The German Empire made mm-hmm. the territory of Tanzania, Rwanda, and the colony of the, Germany. This is when we're this is when we're getting into like kind of the very end of British expansion. Like this is about in this time the demise of well it's not well, it's still demise, it's still ongoing right. the demise kind of started World War One World War Two right. ish but this is when they're this is their the last tentacles are this is as far as they stretched right like this is as far as they made it before they had to you know were forced to pull back and then there was a new sheriff in town yeah. and he was called good old US of A and it was our turn to take well, over everything in the twentieth uh, century the Russians. The French, like, like we've, we've all... We've all taken our turn. It's musical chairs as far as uh, imperialism See, goes. it's normal. It's what everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah... Uh, if Russia jumped off a bridge, would you do it yeah, too? Yeah, the, the UK obviously missed out on that one musical chair. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Had to give up all of Africa and India? <laughs> oh, boy. 
After Germany's defeat in the First World War, the territory was initially awarded to Britain during the 1919 Paris Peace Conference on May 7, 1919. Shortly after this, at the end of May 1919, Britain ceded the territories of Rwanda and Burundi to Belgium. Oh, yes, in the Anglo-Belgium Agreement. We kind of talked about some of this in... uh, our HIV and AIDS episodes because of Congo and the, Bel- the oh, Belgian okay. connection right. yep. to, as and that's Billy it's... Joel said, Belgians in the Congo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to mention, oh, we didn't start the fire like every 10 episodes or sure. so. We're Makes contractually sense. obligated. I don't know if anybody knew this, but our only patron is uh, Billy Joel himself. <laughs> yes, so. he's a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> This was all confirmed in the Treaty of Versailles, which was signed on June 28th, 1919, and took effect on January 10th, 1920. At this point, the territory was renamed Tanganyika, derived from the lake of the same name running along the eastern border of the country. The country gained its independence on December 9th, 1961. The Zanzibar archipelago was still under the control of Britain. That would explain why uh, Freddie Mercury may have been born there. Sure. Because he was born to Indian parents, mm-hmm. uh, but they had British ties, I believe. Oh, all I don't in, know his... All Indians have British ties. Well, in mo- uh, yes, like because of the mm-hmm. colonization. Mm-hmm. Yes. I gotcha. Um, Indians meaning the country. Right, yeah. yeah. No, the country of India, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Zanzibar archipelago is still under control of Britain since the Anglo-Zanzibar War. The shortest war in history at 38 minutes. That actually gets brought up in... Uh... What was the fucking movie uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Castaway, that gets brought up in really? Castaway? Yes. Why? Uh, because he has to fly to Russia to fix a problem because he works for FedEx. That's right. And he mails a, a clock with a timer on it mm. to see how quickly it gets to, and he opens it up and he's like, he's like, wars have been fought and won in less time. Oh. And he brings up, he brings up that war. Okay. Or in, oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that's I don't remember. That. I only saw that once. Like, but. does that count as a war though? If it lasts thirty six minutes, it, it seems like it would count as a battle. Yeah, but I guess maybe the battle was wars. the war. Yeah, I don't know the single battle war. <laughs> um, so that was on August twenty seventh, eighteen ninety six, which was against the Zanzibar Sultanate, ruined, ruled, sorry, by the Sultan of Zanzibar, originating from Oman, which had the benefit of putting an end to the East African slave trade. They received independence from the UK as a constitutional monarchy under the Sultan on December 10th, 1963. However, this was short-lived when the Zanzibar Revolution took place on January 12th, 1964, and the Zanzibar natives turned on the ethnic Arab and Indian civilians, ah, Indian, there we go, resulting in the death of 2,000 to 4,000 people. Yikes. Ah! Ah! Rachel! (laughs) Rachel's reading my mind! Farouk Bulsara, a.k.a. Freddie Mercury, <laughs> was born in Stonetown, Zanzibar on September 5th, 1946. As Zanzibar was a British protectorate, Freddie was born a British citizen. His parents were from the Parsi community of Western India and moved to Zanzibar so his father, Bomi, could be a cashier for the British colonial office. In spring 1964, Mercury and his family fled from Zanzibar to escape the violence of the revolution. Wow. Oh. I, I love it. I love it. When I start, where we start speculating about something, and then the the listener just answers it. The next thing we read. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. You knew what to put in there. On April 26th, 1964, oh, by the way, 
Rachel is very properly writing things like 26th April 1964. Yeah. I'm translating it for my own sake. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> because that's what we do as Americans is we co-opt and translate everything. Uh, Zanzibar united with mainland Tanganyika to form the United Republic of Tanganyika and Zanzibar. A very lengthy title, which was compressed on October 29th. Hard to fit on a flag. <laughs> a little bit, maybe. <laughs> to become, well, what? We are the United States of America, yes, correct? That is that our is official our technical... title. <laughs> yes. uh, even though we're far from united. <laughs> <sighs> to become the United Republic of Tanzania. All these name changes were mocked in an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> the one when they go on safari. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Um, the first president of Tanzania was Ju- Julius. <laughs> it was like, Julius. Sure. Put Jul- some flair into it. Julius Nerewe, known lovingly as Baba Wataifa, meaning national father. Or Mwalimu, which means teacher in Swahili. I wonder if the director, uh, Taika Watiti, is from this area. Mm-mm. No? I know that name. I don't or know how British? I know that name. I believe he's um, Maori. Is he not from New Zealand? I don't remember. We probably sound like the biggest doofuses. People are like, oh my God, you don't even know. So I've heard the name He's and I've seen him. And okay, he, and he what acts. did he direct? Uh, movies. <laughs> well, I didn't think he conducted or, or directed but he trains, also But he also but... plays uh, in Endgame. He plays, and I think in Thor Ragnarok, he plays either Korg or Meek. I can't He's remember. from New Zealand. Oh, so is he? I believe okay. he is Maori. Okay. Um, now that is, uh, wow. So his legal name is Taika, Taika David Cohen. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but he is known professionally as Taika Watiti. He's a New Zealander. Yep. Um, and he was born in the Bay of Plenty region. That's where mm-hmm. Fakai yes. is. Uh, his father was an artist of Te Tefano Al Oh boy, I'm gonna butcher this without having looked it up. Apanui uh descent. But his mother, Robin Cohen, is a school teacher. His mother's family is Russian Jewish. And then his father's side is Maori and a little bit of French Canadian. Eh? So he's just kind of this a little melting pot. He's a little New Zealand melting <laughs> he's a, he's pot. He's literally a walking melting pot. <laughs> yeah. Living yeah, right? breathing. So, no, he is not from Africa at so, all in any way. Sorry for the sidebar. That's okay. It does kind of, uh, some of the words just audibly sound similar. I, I, I get what you're saying. If you see them written out, though, it, it looks very different. But Tanzania has a pre- president and prime minister. So the prime minister is chosen by the president to lead the National Assembly. The current president is Samia Suluhu Hassan, the first female president who was the incumbent president as President John Magafuli died, most likely from COVID, huh? On March 17th, 2021, four months after his re-election. Wow. So Kagera, the region where Bukoba and Kamondo Bay are located, has an interesting bit of history. On October 1978, Uganda invaded Tanzania with Idi Amin claiming the land north of the Kagera, Kagera, yes, river. 
starting the Uganda-Tanzania War. The Uganda army pillaged the land, stealing cattle, automobiles, and personal belongings from home. Homes, <laughs> not from their home. <laughs> what a difference a letter makes. Approximately 1,500 civilians were shot and killed, and thousands more fled south. The Ugandan troops were too busy looting to take action when reports came in of Tanzania preparing a counteroffensive. Amin was starting to lose control and tried to defuse the situation without losing face. He tried the following response. On November 5th, Amin, the former boxing champion, publicly suggested that he and Nyerere, no, sorry, I'm sure, Nyerere, participate in a boxing match, which, in lieu of military action, would determine the outcome of the conflict. I, I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. Yes. That sounds great. That What a flex. Imagine Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. <laughs> like, I mean, I would have watched it for damn sure. Everybody. <laughs> it would have been so sad <laughs> on been. both fronts. And satisfying, like, yes. and, at the same time. <laughs> I'm all for that. Yes. Let's... Yes. I'd have been all for watching Kamala yes. Harris pummel fucking Trump. That would have been That would have been fun. Yes, that would have definitely been fun. But yes, let's make elections all over the world from now on. Well, like, no, this like, is an actual conflict. This is a military. Or I'm sorry, not elections. War. I, meant, I meant a conflict. War. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, a boxing match your, between the leaders. Like, yeah. imagine, imagine Putin versus Joe Biden. Like, that would just be, that would be really sad. <laughs> but Putin's only used to winning when people let him, like, the fucking hockey thing. Still. But yeah. he is former KGB, no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe he kind of just knows some. <laughs> I, he knows some things. I would not want to cross that dude. Oh, it gets better. Listen to this. The Ugandan president suggested that Muhammad Ali could act as the referee. That's yes, even fucking yeah. fantastic. I love this. Now that's diplomacy. Like, like, yeah. I, I mean, you know what it is as a leader. A it fair... takes some guts to say, "Look, I'll fight, I'll fight you, you, and we'll win, win we'll take leave, all. We'll leave our all our military personnel unscathed from this, yeah. and we'll just beat each yeah. other to a blood because ball. that's all it is anyway. It's a fucking dick measuring contest. That's all. That's all wars are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the yeah. Love it. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Well, unfortunately, Nyerere ignored the message. Uh, three days later, Amin pledged to withdraw from Tanzanian territory. Nyerere responded with a pledge to, quote, kick the aggressors out, end quote. But if they were going to withdraw, then they didn't need to be kicked. Anyway, Nyerere made a counteroffensive with the Tanzanian police's defense. Sorry, not at all. Tanzanian People's Defense Force, or the TPDF, in November of 1978, with the support of their neighbors, Mozambique, and successfully ejected Ugandan troops out of the country by February 1979. Nyerere originally planned to stop at this point and allow Ugandan rebels to overthrow Amin, but with Amin still refusing to concede and Libyan units coming to his aid, the rebels were having difficulty. Nyerere pushed his troops onward to take Kampala and depose Amin, which occurred on April 11th, 1979. There's so much history information here. I feel like we're learning... A we're, lot about East Africa we're, we're, <laughs> right now. We're learning. Yeah, we're learning. <laughs> I feel like we're learning. <laughs> Tanzania's location of the headquarters for the East African Community, EAC, which includes Kenya, Uganda, Burundi, Rwanda, and South Sudan. 
when the Rwanda genocide happened between April 7th to July 15th, 1994, with, boy, here's the the estimated death range, 206,000 to 800,000. Yeah. Uh, An estimated half a million refugees fled to Tanzania. I mean, but... Like, these types of conflicts in Africa are like forest fires in California. Like, they just happen all the time. Seemingly. You know what I mean? Well, I think seemingly is the right word. I don't think we're well educated on what's going on. But when they do, though, there's like massive casualties. Like we're not talking, we're well, never, we're never talking like a couple thousand people. Well, so I've heard of the Rwandan genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a pretty infamous. It's what situation. the it's what the movie uh, Hotel Rwanda is about. I never saw it. It's a really good movie. It? It's it's I can't watch like it again. Like a watch it yeah, once. I can't watch it again. Because it's so intense. No. Um, but if you asked me, like, okay, off the top of your head, name another, like, je- well, okay, there was apartheid mm-hmm. in South Africa. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you have you have the diamond mines all over. I mean, okay. that's that. I mean, that's that's a large part of most of these conflicts because diamonds are easy to smuggle, mm-hmm. worth a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this in the movie Blood Diamond, the one character brings up, he, he's like, we call it the N- NCAA. He's like, what? He's like, nobody cares about Africa. Mm. Like, because there are so many minerals, so so much everything there, mm-hmm. and it's just been plundered for literally like the last 150 years. Well, okay, that's a, that's like a a uh, natural explanation to it, right? Yeah. But I, I will say, like, there's a there's so much problematic in how America views Africa. Mm-hmm. And I can only speak for the United States. Well, and I can't even really speak for all people in the United States, but um, that comes a large part. Like the part I'm familiar with is fucking white evangelicals views of Africa, which are yeah, horrifically which is, patronizing. Which is weird because that's something I, I've never even thought about until I met you. Because I, I didn't know any, about any so of that stuff. It's highly problematic because it's this idea... It's, it's tied the idea up in that, white paternalism. It's the idea that Christianity will, sa- and, Christianity will save you. And the reason that your life yes. is shit is because you don't believe in God. And you don't believe you don't believe in our God. Yeah. And you don't believe in our God because yeah. you're not, you're black people <clears throat> from Africa. Not, I mean, if you want to get completely blunt about it, that's yeah. what they're thinking. The racism tied into it oh, yeah. is inextricable. Well it's really problematic. Again, to bring to say the least. To bring back our fam- favorite former president. Mm. Who was his biggest voting block? A white evangelicals. Oh, yeah, by a mile. Yeah. (laughs) So, kind of tells you all you need to know about evangelicalism. You know, and it's really, man, I tell you, one day I could do, I could do a podcast, a book, or whatever on the problems with white evangelical Christianity. we're, We're living through the problems. Yes. Of white evangelical Christianity. I'll do it when I'm like 70 and most of the people I know who would be highly insulted by it have moved on from this mortal coil because otherwise it would like, oof, I'm getting on a tangent. Let's move on. Let's move so, on to something happier. Like a disaster. Like the, gen- like the Rwandan genocide. Yeah. Jesus. All right. So the International Criminal Tribunal of Rwanda, the ICTR, was held in Arusha. Tanzania at the EAC headquarters, established in uh, November of 1994 in order to judge people responsible for the genocide. The tribunal officially closed on December 31st, 2015, so it lasted a solid 11 years. Mm -hmm. 
No. <laughs> Shit, I did my math wrong. 21 years. I backed you up on it, so that's okay. <laughs> when you co-sign for something that it's on you. So that, so that, so that it's not the on, person so that, who made the mistake, it's the person <laughs> it's who backed that, him that, up. That checked off on it, so that was on me. So... Now, boy, have we got context. Let's talk about the maritime industry in Tanzania. Tanzania's development has... I'm going to go out on the limb and say there's a lot of piracy in this area. Well, that's the stereotype you hear of, right? Like the... uh, What was um, the Captain Phillips movie Mm -hmm. and all that uh, really... uh, They were were like on the African horn, I think. Well, that's where this is, East Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Also, by the way, I have to say, I really respect Rachel that she fit in a lot of, like, little bits of disasters that we would never cover. Because they're, like, genocides and and war crimes and stuff. So, well done. But it's... Because it's pertinent. It's it's contextual. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, it's... There's a... Every disaster has a whole flood of reasons that led to that disaster. We had a um, somebody tweeted at us saying um, they were a, a or they are a um, disaster area fan, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of yeah. our listeners yeah. listen to Jennifer too. Listen to Disaster Area if you don't already. Jennifer's fantastic, um, but they were like, you know, I, I also started listening to this other disaster podcast, All Bad Things, and they tagged us, and they're like. What I don't understand is why people get upset when both of these podcasts, quote, get political because um, disasters are political. <laughs> and it's like, thank you. <laughs> exactly. That's, it's it's that's baked correct. into the cake. I mean, it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. Yes. <clears throat> and the, the very occasional ones it's not, where it's, it's not really it's not, are very it's, odd. It's usually the garlic and the onion. Like the mm, stuff that just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it's like it's there, but you don't necessarily taste it. You know, but it's... You can't point it out, but it's what makes it spicy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Tanzania's development has come about from the transport along the coasts and the lakes. Indian and Arabian cargo-carrying dhaus have contributed to seafaring traditions along the coast. To this day, the shipbuilders of Tanzania, especially the fishing villages along the coast and islands, build dhaus which show no signs of moving from the traditional style of vessels. So there's a very... A specific um, form of shipbuilding, essentially. So that's really cool. That is. That's like a giant sail. Mm-hmm. It looks like I know nothing of ships, so I'm probably not the best person to. <laughs> it looks like it's made out of like canvas or like leather or something. It's really. It does uh... kind of look natural, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Like it, like it is almost like <clears throat> leather or something. <laughs> it's not even leather. <laughs> I only know. I've only seen Working Girl once, but it's apparently from it. It is good. Good movie. (laughs) So bigger engine-powered cargo and passenger vessels calling at Tanzania ports were operated and owned by foreign companies. The Merchant Shipping Act was put into place by the United Republic of Tanzania in 1967 and was derived from the then East Africa Merchant Shipping Act of 1966, which was derived from the British Merchant Shipping Act, with very little change made since the implementation. So now we're going to talk about the MV Bukova. Uh, and MV stands for motor vessel, and okay. I know that that's that that's something I've seen in. Uh, I, well, I, I automatically just thought motor vehicle. I'm like, but that that doesn't apply to a you're ship. Quote, motor yeah, vessel. You're right. Yeah, that that makes sense. So it was built in 1979 by Belgian shipbuilding Belgian shipbuildingers. Com- 
company. Okay. They were going for something on the nose. (laughs) In Fulton Marine, Antwerp, Belgium. It was transported to Lake Victoria in pieces and assembled on site. It was operated by the state-owned enterprise Tanzania Railway Corporation, or TRC. It was 59 and a half meters long. Its breadth, is that width? I'm guessing so. so. (laughs) It was nine meters. Its propulsion is single screw. Crew capacity is 36. Passenger capacity is 430. So already I'm thinking, wait, didn't almost 900 people die? Let's, I guess we need to read on to find out what happens here. Rachel's like, oh, just you wait. Um, Cargo capacity is 200 tons. So this, uh, where's that picture we just put down? That's the Bukoba. Which oh, you can yeah, see yeah, it because it says because it says yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that no, I think the breadth obviously is is the width because it, it said what be. nine meters. What yeah. did it say? Uh, yes. Uh huh. So yeah, that's about thirty feet, okay. and you can you can right. kind of tell from that mm-hmm. photo that it's about thirty feet wide. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're like the kid from TikTok who uses his little measuring tape. To well, and use. I mean, I grew up on boats and stuff like that. No, I believe you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> And grew, right. up <laughs> grew up on boats. <laughs> Maybe that's a slight exaggeration. Yeah. I grew up around boats. What do you do with the drunken sailor? <laughs> you grew up on one. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> your childhood nickname was Barnacle. Because <laughs> you grew up on a boat. I get it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I got you. Yes, you did. <laughs> the normal training routes of the MV Bukova was Mwanza to Port Bell to Mwanza and Mwanza to Kis- Kisumu to Mwanza. So Mwanza, also known as Rock City, uh, there's it's a port on the southern shore of the lake, the second largest city in Tanzania and the second largest city in the Lake Victoria Basin. Port Bell was an industrial center of the great, or is an industrial center of the greater metropolitan Kampala, Uganda, located in the northern shore of the lake. Kampala is the capital and largest city of Uganda. And then Kisumu, the third largest city of Kenya and the third largest city on the lake. So these are the major ports along Mm -hmm. Victoria. All right. Guess what? We're getting into it now. (laughs) Lots of context time for... Bad news. So on May 20th, 1996, MV Bukoba was on a different route as it was covering the route of the MV Victoria, which was under maintenance at the time. So it was filling in. The route was the Mwanza to Komondo Bay to Bukoba. So Bukoba is a city on the southwestern shore of the lake. The ferry connection provides a shortcut for trade. Just going to say, it sounds like it's a mostly a passenger, well, a mix of a passenger and commercial well, it's a shortcut for trade yeah. from the major Tanzanian cities of Mwanza, Arusha, mm-hmm. Dar es Salaam to remote towns and villages near the Rwanda and Uganda borders, as well as the, indus- as well as the industries such as sugar production. And then Kimondo Bay is 23 kilometers or 14 miles south of Bukoba. Uh, let's see. Photo on page four for the route map. Here it is. So... See, this This is so big it looks like an ocean, but obviously this is Lake Victoria. Um, the northernmost marker on the western shore is Bukoba. The marker directly south is Kimondo Bay. The blue marker on the southeastern shore is Mwanza. 
Northport, the final destination, the green flag is where it sank right there. Mm -hmm. So not, it was almost, it was almost to its destination. The yellow marker just above the blue marker is where the memorial statue is located. All right. And then there's kind of an an enhanced view. Good pictures, by the way, Rachel. Yeah, very good. Well done. Um, It looks like this would be a pretty gorgeous place of earth to visit. Like, look at all this. The pictures just from, like, the rock Mm -hmm. formations and everything were really cool. Yeah. All right. So the sun had set. This is May 20th, 1996. The sun had set at... Sorry, I'm I'm so sorry, Rachel, that I'm just not saying, like, it, it, it's 18.50. It's 6.30 p.m. <laughs> well, you can, you can say I, I I understand military time because that's how I have to, everything is logged. But um, A lot of businesses, especially, like, manufacturing mm-hmm. and stuff, run on military mm-hmm. time. That's true. But I, 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 think I most, always translate I think most people it. do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, MV Bacoba departed on smooth waters from Bacoba at 2130, 830, 930, 930, yep. 930 yep. yes, uh, local time, with 501 registered passengers. Still not, yeah. still very interested in hearing yeah. why 900 people, almost 900 people died. Anyway, 501 registered passengers and 8.891 tons of cargo, including a Land Rover. Okay. It was observed during the loading at Bacoba. The gangway was abnormally steep, making it difficult for passengers to board without assistance. This indicated the vessel was lighter than normal. It was also listing port side after boarding. That's where our Eastland disaster comes into play. It was listing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that that was the Chicago one, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's... Um, One of our listeners, I'm sorry, I can't remember who, like... Told me the memory trick between port and starboard is port has four letters, so does the word left. Therefore, port mm-hmm. means left. And it has helped ever sure. since. <laughs> Obviously, as you're oriented forward. Yeah, it's like doing this. Yes, the, the little <laughs> putting up uh, L fingers and but for somebody, out which but one's But for L. somebody else, it's, it's this. <laughs> like That's right, me. depending on which way you're pointing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so a note. It's noted later on in descriptions of the event that the ship was loaded with a vast quantity of bananas. And that was a car- common cargo from Bacopa to Mwanza. These were stored on the open deck, which meant most of the passengers would have found shelter inside. And then Rachel said, I've provided a photo of bananas located on the deck of the MV Victoria, which is still how bananas are transported from the plantations to the cities in the east. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Let's see. Some bananas. Holy Christ. They're all green too. I was—I mm-hmm. don't know why I was expecting yellow. That's no. silly because they—they ripen. They ju- I was gonna say they just picked them pretty uh-huh. much. Wow. Okay. Well, this is how they make their money. Let's keep that um, up because of that next. Okay. I'm not sure what that next uh, image is for. Um, figure three. See, our listeners do such a good job at like. Please refer to Exhibit A. You know. So well done. I always feel a little stupid after. Yeah. <laughs> um, on arriving an hour later at Commando Bay, the pier was already packed with people waiting to board, which was against normal procedures. These people had been denied passage at Copa and decided to try their luck by traveling 30 minutes south to Commando Bay in hopes to board. 
The alternative journey by road would be rough. Most of the route was untarmacked and full of potholes, especially near the end of rainy season, and the buses were in poor condition, creaky and dusty, and likely to break down for hours. So you'd be lucky to make the journey in 12 hours. Oh, God. 30 minutes yeah. taking in 12 oh, hours. Jeez. Oh, Fuck that. Like, it, like, you'd be better off walking. Literally. Yes. <laughs> Literally. You're right. Absolutely right. There was no control over those boarding the vessel, and they filled every available space they could find. Quote, there was no pa- there was no place to move. We could not even lie down, end quote, a passenger recalled. After the cargo and passengers were loaded, the vessel developed a heavy list to the port side. Mm. So still leaning here. The list to port became worse when the vessel unmoored and reversed. When moving forward, the heavy list shifted from port to starboard. The list reduced once the vessel was underway to Mwanza. But can you still imagine just like, uh oh, wait, are we supposed to? Especially on a ship that size? Mm. Hell no. That'd be scary as hell. The vessel rocked from side to side all night, despite passengers observing that the waters had remained calm and comparatively still. So this was not a weather Mm -hmm. issue. This was probably about the time passengers had asked the crew to throw the banana banana cargo overboard, presuming this would stop the rocking of the vessel, like trying to like even it out and stop it from being so unstable. But the crew had refused because cargo minus goods and people equal money, you know. Mm -hmm. The sun rose at 647 in the morning on Tuesday, May 21st. At 7.30 a.m. with one hour until they were expected to dock at Mwanza North Point, the vessel made a sharp turn south in its final direction change. That's Doesn't good. sound good. The vessel swayed and mm. huge jikos, dishes, and kitchen equipment in the restaurant crashed to one side, causing passengers to panic at the noise and scramble to the deck. And these are jikos. Okay. They're like big yep. vat, cooking sure. vats, mm-hmm. um, likely to have been similar to larger camping stoves or coal wood burning clay stoves. So people were just like heard the noise and mm-hmm. got. And they're like, oh shit! Oh, this sounds like this is turning into a weird crowd disaster, well, like plus, from people distributing their weight wrong. Plus listing, like it's, mm-hmm. that's. Mm. Well. So if you're listing to one side and then all of a sudden everybody goes to the other, you may have the exact opposite problem exactly. listing to that side. Yeah. So, oh, boy. This, I don't this like is what... not fun. No. At 7.35 a.m., the vessels, moved by the actions of people and goods, turned over three and a half nautical mm-hmm. miles from Wanza. Before capsizing, it mm. had been cruising at 11 knots or about 12.6 mile, miles per hour, 20 kilometers per hour. The weather was fairly calm with occasional squalls. Say, that's like a steady speed for that size ship. Yeah. No alert or distress was sent out by the vessel. Probably just caught everybody off guard. The vessel, now upside down, retained yep. partial buoyancy. Mm. Mm. Just, uh. The first report of the disaster came around 8.15 a.m. by a fisherman reporting it to a passenger agent at Mwan's North Point. At about the same time, the captain of MV Putiama, sorry, Butiama, on its way from Port Bell, Uganda, to Mwanza, had spotted the capsized ves- vessel by using binoculars. Some passengers and crew managed to get a hold of life-saving equipment, although these had been inconveniently locked. This is like 
this feels like a a, a building disaster, a crowd building disaster, but on, but a, on ship. a ship that has capsized. Yeah. This this is I don't like any of what, this. What was the freaking the Gene Hackman movie? The the ship that... Poseidon Adventure. Yes. Yeah. yes, it's like a crowd disaster yeah. inside Poseidon Adventure. I did see the remake. It was terrible. I did see the remake but as well. But the uh, the original movie is great. Mm-hmm. You know what I will say about Gotta get to the engine room! <laughs> it's up! <laughs> Not Yeah, it's because we're upside down. We have to go da- up or whatever. I love the shots of the ship capsized, though, because you could tell it was a toy boat. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably in a bathtub. The one thing I will say about the, um, the remake, there was a, a spoiler alert in the remake, um... Uh, Kurt Russell's character dies, like mm-hmm. say, helping save everybody, and they show him. I mean, it's a enactment of him drowning, mm-hmm. and there's like a moment where he like runs out of breath and does this weird like jerking movement as you see him like it's his last. It, it's very visceral, and it's very like unpleasant that. and horrible looking. I guess that movie was so terrible I wasn't paying, <laughs> paying attention by the time that happened. <laughs> Emmy Rossum was in it. I don't know. <laughs> so was uh, so was Kevin Dillon. Kevin Dillon was also in that movie. Oh, poor man's Dillon brother, right? Is yeah, he of the yeah. Dillons? He is of the Dillons. <laughs> of the Hollywood Dillons. Yes, those people. <laughs> anyway, we need to keep going on this. There's more horrible. I know. I I know. I we're just we're that. just putting it off. I, I understand. So. Uh, they were trying to get to life-saving equipment. Some of it was locked. Others swam to private boats and canoes, which were near the scene. Others were kept afloat by clinging to, oh my God, the bananas, which they had earlier asked to be thrown overboard. I guess bananas are buoyant? If there's enough of them, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. That's such a random, weird thing to think about. Are bananas I've buoyant? Never, I've never seen like a... I know, a life raft made of bananas? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Oh, my God. And then, Apparently they are, if that's what people were I guess so, to some to. extent. Yeah. And then some people cling, clinged to the capsized vessel, eventually climbing on top of the bottom of the hull. So mm-hmm. they, did do, they did pull they, up aside. They went to the engine room. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the majority of the passengers and crew were trapped within the vessel with yeah, no way to be rescued. Huge number of people, almost a thousand people. Jesus. Rescuers could hear the. Uh, yeah, the designs, yeah. Makes it you know worse. where this is going. The yeah. trapped people banging from the inside. Yeah. The Tanzanian Railways Corporation, TRC, decided to cut a hole in the vessel in order to rescue the trapped people. Okay, it's a plan. A small square was cut with a torch, and one person was rescued. Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's a person. Zero. Oh. Just before and they plus were... Plus, that's also a delicate thing that you have to do. Well, listen under... to this. No, listen okay. to this. We're about right. to get there. We're okay. about to get there. Okay. Just before they were about to make mm. a bigger hole, pressurized air mm-hmm. blew out the torch flame, and the vessel yep. sank faster. So yep. it actually, like... So I was going to say that's why it's delicate, and that's why they had to cut a small hole. Is mm-hmm. because there's going to be a sudden change in pressure. Yes, mm-hmm. you're exactly a very right. sudden change yeah. in pressure. Two people were ejected from unknown exits of the vessel and were saved. Lucky oh, as fuck. I mean, cutting just... a hole in the vessel was bad practice. By cutting a hole in the hull, the rescuers had destroyed the reserved buoyancy, keeping the vessel afloat. Mm-hmm. I guess because that's there are people inside. Pressure. Still above water, Mm -hmm. 
I guess the right thing to do would have been to like dive and pull, like get them out from under. But man, uh, talk mean, about a, a wild a, rescue situation. And way more dangerous doing it that way too. Well, I guess people could drown at any point, but oh, oh. The MV Bukoba sank completely at 3.05 p.m., approximately seven and a half hours after she capsized and rested at a depth Jesus. of 30 meters. Like, so fucking just like that. Seven and a half hours. Um, here's, we've got pictures. Oh, man. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. see the bow. Yep. Sticking in. The- well, you can also see how the... the- person on the other ship spotted it with the binoculars because this is what it could see mm-hmm. oh man oh, that's awful um and then rachel said these are the only photos available of the capsized vessel all the all other photo photos which came up on a google search are of the other fairy disasters tanzania has experienced seriously it's almost as bad as Cleveland's penchant for disaster. Oh, no shit, right? Oh man. We we've only done we haven't done a Cleveland disaster in a while. We've only like, done like three, I think. And there's about seventy five to choose from. Well, there you go. Next <laughs> slow night at work. Pick a Cleveland disaster. The manifest shows four hundred forty three passengers in the first and second class compartments. Now remember, the passenger max was four hundred thirty, so already a little. Yeah, it's yeah. However. The third class compartments, which were much cheaper and could carry more people, had no manifest. Of course. The government estimates that 661 passengers were on board for the final leg. However, the International Federation of the Red Cross suggests that as many as 800 may have lost their lives. The official death toll, which is widely quoted, is 894. But local media reports give a minimum of 1,000. 114 survivors have been officially listed, although some articles claim only 53 survived. It is, you know, it's a little maddening when they're, I completely understand, mm. like, there's just conflicting reports. So, like, some you, sometimes you just don't know. It is a little maddening that that happens, but. With all the figures, the highs and the lows, percentage-wise, it sounds like you had about a 1 in 10 chance of surviving. Yeah, right? Like, uh, that's pretty close to it, yeah. I mean, Oof. that's just, the uh, Fuck. Like, ship disasters are just not pretty. Because there's... Almost the same as in an airplane. Like, there's nowhere you can go. Mm-hmm. You know, if shit happens at the wrong time and you're in the wrong place, like, that, like that, that's just... That's it. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. it's ugh. Divers from South Africa were flown in to recover bodies within the vessel, but the operation was stopped on June 2nd due to the decomposing bodies posing a health hazard to the divers. Sure. 392 bodies were recovered. That's actually quite a bit considering. But the recovered... Imagine how freaking grit... The recovered bodies were laid out in the sun for identification at the Mwanza Stadium. There are some references to orphans, but there was no specific data to back this up. Three days of mourning were declared by the then president Benjamin Makapa. The majority of the bodies were buried in a mass grave in Mwanza. A memorial was erected on the hill of a small peninsula peninsula overlooking the site where the ferry sank. All the known victims' names are written on the foot of the statue, and we've got a picture of the okay the memorial. Oh, the gravesite. Yep, Yep. and then the list of people Mm. that. It is 
I mean, I know that it's it's part of life and has happened in multiple disasters, but just the idea of somebody dying anonymously. Sure. It's so, there's something so, like, unfair about that. It's, it's just sad. Yeah, it is, it is, of course, it's massively sad, but also just, like... I believe in death with dignity in sure. like all circumstances that as much dignity as can be made of somebody's death, you know, in terms of like respect and everything. Um, and that's just like, and people just like, I don't know, just I, I don't know where my loved one is, period. I well, never you, got confirmation. Do you know why in the military dog tags became a thing? To, for identification purposes. Well, do you know what, what war caused that? Let me, I'm going to guess Vietnam because of napalm and the, stuff. The Civil War. Oh. Because people were dying. Like, the Civil War is still the deadliest mm-hmm. war we've ever had. For the U.S., yeah. Uh, but people were dying on such a mass scale that they would write their names, their mm. full names on a piece of cloth and have it pinned to their back because people were... And you just have people... Just for identification. Yes. Yeah. And that, that They were like, into... if I die, I want my loved ones to know, so let <laughs> yes. me... Uh... Yep. That's wow. where dog tags came from. Hmm. So, but the metal tags themselves. Late that came, but the idea of identification. Identification. What war did dog tags actually become? Uh, maybe. My thought was Vietnam, but maybe I'm thinking a little I would too say late. World war, definitely World War Two. They were there. Mm. World War One, probably. Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. Or the Mexican American War that was like right around the turn of that century. It's interesting, but it's horrible. Yes. Yeah. So, the MV Pacoba was observed to be listing to either its port or starboard side throughout its lifetime. Mm. The cause of the list was never investigated, but it was put down to either poor design or construction, or both. In a report, it was stated TRC had acquired a faulty vessel from Belgium Shipbuilders Corporation, BSC. Not Babysitter's Club. I'm sorry. This is a kid of the <laughs> 90s. That's what I think of for BSC. Anyway. No. Whose defects could not be detected for some time until Danish experts came on the scene three years later. Some fault was placed on the contract between TRC and BSC. The majority of the terms set out in the contract were heavily in favor of the Belgian party, who refused to amend the terms for the financially weak Tanzanian government in desperate need to improve the transportation infrastructure for the rapidly growing country. Clearly, if there was demand for a thousand people to be on this ship, like, you know... So, problematic terms in this agreement. So, all expenses for trials and adjustments once the ship was reassembled in Mwanza would be borne by the purchaser. Uh, Delivery terms. The purchaser was to take the delivery of the vessel parts in Belgium and transport them to Dar es Salaam and onto Mwanza at their cost, meaning the purchaser. Uh, I love this. This is like um, I'm taking business law right now so it's, i feel like this is like a breakdown of the contract terms uh there was a guarantee period of six months from the date of delivery within which any defect due to bad workmanship or use of defective materials needed to be notified one month from its discovery failing which the contractor would not accept any responsibility so six months is all the warranty we're getting fucking sliding glass doors put in with a lifetime warranty and these people are building a ship with like six months that's it that's it <laughs> That's all you got. Um, Hope nothing happens. Right? (laughs) Rachel put in personal thought. BSC would probably consider Dar es Salaam as its destination, so the six-month countdown started as soon as the shipment was registered. 
Considering experience with Tanzanian customs, customs, it would probably have been stuck in Darfur several weeks before being sent on to Mwanza, and I very much doubt it was built immediately on reaching Mwanza. Tanzanians have the custom of pole pole, which is Swahili for slowly, slowly. Taking uh, Things take time, and there's absolutely no rush, except when driving. <laughs> I'm probably insulting someone at this point, but this is from eight years of observation. <laughs> so Rachel has some experience in Tanzania. It takes five Tanzanians to dig a hole, one to dig, three to watch, one didn't turn up. <laughs> I guess that's like the... <laughs> it's like one of those, how many Southerners does it take to change a light bulb or something? Like one of those regional <laughs> mm-hmm. like things. So I'm guessing the vessel was built about four months after delivery. If they hadn't gone through government agency to report a default, it would have taken weeks or months. Although I'm pointing out the poor system in Tanzania, this was very much a nasty move on the Belgian side as they took advantage of a developing country's processes. That's pretty fucked up. Yes, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Personal thought number two. From experience, Tanzanians don't report bad news to managers. Hmm. Short story. A Tanzanian employee forgot to do something which needed to be done or it would cost a shit ton of money to fix. The employer asks to have asks have you done the job and the tanzanian replies yes i have when the employer finds out the tanzanian had lied they ask him why the tanzanian responds because you wanted me to say i had done it Hmm. so to avoid pissing off the employer at that one moment they decided to temporarily avoid trouble and then another uh article in the contract in the case of dispute or disagreement belgian law would be applicable in arbitration Proceeding. Sure. That definitely makes it lopsided. So three years on from being built, around 1982, the defects discovered by Danish experts became the subject of a protracted and fruitless correspondence with the builders until the Belgian government interfe- intervened with an undertaking to provide fun- funds to rectify the stability problem and improvements of care- improvement of carrying capacity. Wow, I don't know why that was a hard sentence for me to say. This undertaking never happened. Not sure if the funds were ever provided or were absorbed to some other venture by the Tanzanian government or pocketed by officials. In 1985, the Danish Maritime Institute recommended measures in, to order to improve the vessel's stability. And in 1994, the Embassy of Belgium in Tanzania recommended yet another solution to improve the stability. A stability, was, a stability test was done in May 1996, the same month this all happened, conducted by two engineers from Belgium, the Naval Department of the University of Liege, I guess. Unfortunately, the preliminary results were not due until July 1996, so a day late and a dollar short, as it were. So moving on to the cause of the disaster, the ballast tanks. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but those are like um, em- like empty tanks that are filled with water, like to balance the ship. Sure. <laughs> I thought you grew up on ships. I did. <laughs> they just didn't have ballast tanks? Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay, barnacle. <laughs> the ballast tanks had been emptied during the stability testing earlier, and it is believed they were still empty or were filled improperly before being put back into service. So I guess they're not supposed to be empty, uh, but they either were or are not filled correctly. Oh, there we go. Ballasts provide stability. On a ship, these are in compartments built into the hull which hold water and are called ballast tanks. See, I was pretty close. 
The more water it holds, the lower it sits in the water, which counteracts the effects of the weight above the water level. And there is a balance to this. Bigger ships can reduce or increase the ballast weight by removing or adding water. A stability booklet was not on board. The listing of the vessel in the extreme steep gangway were signs the vessel ballasts were not being utilized and the vessel was overloaded. And overloading is a common practice. And we have some pictures. Oh my goodness. This is not of ships. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, this is... These are like vehicles. Like, Like, can you imagine... This uh, this cab has like it's yeah it's completely just, crushed yeah. under the weight of all the stuff on but it. But they're still going. <laughs> well, um, did you see the oh my god the video that our listener Alex put on um Facebook of the truck? Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. So this was in his hometown. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was just in front of it. He was like, "That's my car," like two in front of it. it this this overloaded truck, like dump truck or semi kind of looking thing um made a turn and literally just fell completely mm-hmm. over from the he turn he turned too too sharp well an and angle. was overloaded mm-hmm. yeah so oh my goodness that is what that is massive disaster waiting to happen so also the gravity of the vessel's center was moving up as the fuel on board was consumed reducing stability as the vessel got closer to its destination basically making it kind of top heavy sure in uh, well relatively Witnesses stated that the captain was not on watch at the time of the accident and was only alerted to trouble when he heard a disturbance in the wheelhouse. There was an argument with the chief officer, two quartermasters, two cadets, one sailor, and a chief engineer. Actions in the wheelhouse leading up to the accident. The captain noticed the ship was heading northeast instead of southeast. Well, that's a problem. The chief officer ordered starboard. The ship rolled violently to port and some crew in the wheelhouse were thrown across the room. The captain ordered stop engine, and then the ship capsized after two minutes. So mm. that's sort of the events. When the chief officer ordered starboard, the passengers moved to the port side. The vessel rolled violently to port, responding to the passengers' movements. The passengers, feeling the inevitability of the capsizing on the port side, moved quickly to starboard. Of course, yeah. Well, the center na- point seems I mean, lost naturally. The capsized. Yeah. It, like it would, like, oh, everybody run. Mm-hmm. But then. The- <laughs> Yeah, and I get it. In a panic, that that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Not in a panic, it makes sense to balance. But yeah, I get it. Okay, and the compounding factor was the whole cut. Uh, in the rescue was the whole cut by the rescuers, which had been authorized by the Marine Divisional Manager. The vessel was supposed to be towed to shallow water, and then the rescue uh, operation would have continued. That makes a little more sense. It would have made it less dangerous for divers, too. I imagine. So other known contributing factors. The vessel planned to go for service on April 30th, but it did not and resumed service on May 12th. Certificate of seaworthiness expired in May of 1994. Mm. The vessel remained without its certificate until the accident. Um, a certificate dated March 1st, 1996 was delivered on May 28th, 1996. I bet you're wondering how they were getting a certificate of seaworthiness when there were obvious issues with the listing. It was part of the culture to bribe officials to get certificates and licenses, sure. which I know continues on to this day. Most of the sailors were not well trained. 
There was no planning or monitoring system to ensure the implementation of marine and shipping rules and regulations. No safety drills were being conducted on board, and the muster list was not posted as required. Ship logs and other documents were not being filed. Action taken. On May 29th, the captain and eight senior officials of TRC Marine Department were charged in court with the murder of 615 people and were remanded in custody. They were later released. Mm -hmm. So some side stories. The most notable person on board and who died was Abu Ubaidah al-Banshiri, the second in command of Al-Qaeda. Interesting. Very interesting. Among the dead were 40 children who were on board. Before Al-Qaeda was a thing. Like, we're talking about 1996, before it was well known. Among the dead were 40 children who were on board heading home after sitting their final exams in a government school in Bukoba. An old lady in the Kagera region collapsed and died after learning her daughter and three grandchildren had perished. Oh, that's Mm. so sad. 25 members of one family perished as they returned my from God. a funeral. Jesus. Oh, my God. According to one article, quote, people were squeezed to death among the pieces of luggage and human bodies. They were eaten by fish and crocodiles. Rescue divers told how they had to give up emptying the wreck of dead bodies as they were tightly compressed in small compartments. Mm-hmm. This is like a crowd disaster. It's like every disaster rolled into one. That's horrid. According to a news article in the Daily News, Tanzania, in early September 2018, President Magafuli signed four contracts to improve the transport system of Lake Victoria, including, quote, renovation of MV Bukova and other and another ship, MV Butiama, end quote, with the joint renovations costing about 27 billing, <laughs> sorry, 27 billion shilling. Um, historical rate is uh, $12 million US or about uh, $9 million Great British pounds. However, I suspect this was an error in print or possibly a mistake in the speech as other record- articles replace MV Bukova with MV Victoria, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because it had already capsized. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're not going to replace it or um, repair it. Tragically, only a few weeks later from this announcement, Tanzania would experience another deadly ferry disaster on Lake Victoria. But that's for another episode. As a macabre finding and researching this story, Tanzania commemorated the disaster with a stamp series. Enjoy the weirdness. Uh, oh my god. That's, look, yeah, I'm not... Look at this. So, uh, uh, there's the MV Bukova. Okay, uh, no, and that's this, not so bad. This is the immediate one I looked at. Removing like... dead bodies. Oh my god. It kind of shows rescue workers recovering bodies. Dead bodies identification? Praying for the deceased? Like, just of the ship? That that sounds too outlandish. Like, all I can think of is like, what? hey, like, hey, do you have a stamp I can borrow? Sure. And it's like dead bodies being... Like, what? It's like, do you hate me? Why are you sharing this horrible thing with Why is me? this a stamp? Why is this a thing? How is this a thing? This is John Oliver's How Is This a, say- a Thing? How is this a stamp? Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, Rachel said, enjoy the weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Um, and then uh, Rachel also mentioned, I did find some raw footage of bodies, nothing graphic, being collected. The South African divers preparing for body extraction, mass burial service. There's some, a link there. So, Oh, my God. And that was the story of the MV Bukova. One 
fairy disaster on Lake Victoria, apparently. There's plenty more, because it's Cleveland of Africa. Jeez. Um, one thing I realized is I neglected to put this all into context, especially with Rachel. Rachel shared some information with us. Um, uh, first of all, I believe Rachel, based on her email address and what she just said here that I'm about to say, um, is British because she said, uh, or I'm, I don't know that I have Rachel's pronouns. Anyway, Rachel said, um, uh, your mispronunciations of British places is endearing and funny, (laughs) (laughs) which I love. (laughs) Thank you for finding us endearing and funny. Um, also, I, I totally missed this. Rachel said, you can use the Swahili greeting Jambo. So I should have been, hey, I'm tra- yeah, Jambo. I'm trying to think of, in the mid-80s, there was like a big Hollywood film that came out, but the title was in Swahili, and I cannot huh. think of the name of it. Okay. Just keep reading okay, that. Okay, you're, you're going to look it up? Okay. Because um, I didn't want to do that during the episode. That's okay. Since, since we're in the, uh, mm-hmm. the epilogue. So Rachel said, um... It's a country you haven't covered, meaning Tanzania, and an event that probably spent only an hour in the news before being forgotten. Uh, as a little backstory, I moved to Tanzania in 2010. Really? Yeah. So Rachel has lived in Tanzania and worked as, as an operations manager for a safari company and reservations assistant to a Zanzibar hotel for eight and a half years. So Rachel's quite familiar, and that makes sense given the information that... Um, was in there. In 2011, there was a big ferry disaster in Tanzania, which I followed mainly through social media. It was followed by another ferry disaster in 2012. I had planned to write about these two disasters, but found a lot more information on the first big disaster, which happened in 1996. And then apologies for in advance for the long script. There's just way too much information not to include, especially in regards to the country's geography and history. No, that was fantastic. Um... That's awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. That was a great script. Very thorough. Very well done. Uh, I mean, yeah. That was that was wonderful. Way more thorough than you'll ever, you'll ever get from either of us. <laughs> well, from well, me. Not and from also, you. we don't have firsthand knowledge of the culture of Tanzania, like like Rachel has. So that's true. Yeah, that, that's that. I love when listeners have like an inside track mm-hmm. because well, it then makes you're it gonna more, have well, it makes it more personal. Exactly, and yeah. more. And more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the name of the movie? I couldn't find it. Really? Because it kept showing like movies that were shot like in that part of the world. Oh, and, like, okay. But there's like a specific and I just cannot think of the title of it. Maybe somebody who's around my age is thinking of it and like, yeah, it's this. Do you speaking of eighties movies like set in Africa, mm-hmm. did you ever see The Gods Must Be Crazy? I did, yes. Okay. That's well that's what kept showing up. That's what, okay. one of the things yes. Mm-hmm. Hilarious movie. There was also a Gods Must Be Crazy too. Yes, there was a sequel. Which I did see, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. (laughs) All I remember about the Gods Must Be Crazy is it was so poorly dubbed because they did everything overdub. Yes. Because they they it was easier for them not to just roll sound and just overdub everything. So it's horribly like mismatched with people's mouths and stuff. That's what I remember of it. The I mean the the thing I took away from it when I saw it was like it was like the first uh, like. I could see the what the overall arch of the movie was, which was just like <laughs> environmentalism mixed with like bad capitalism. Like, <laughs> all, all these problems uh-huh. are caused by a Coke bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I see. I, mean, I don't even I mean, remember the plot that much. In, in, I remember the Coke bottle. An but... inanimate object is uh-huh. is the antagonist in the movie. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I mean, it's go. it's yeah. genius in that way. I mean, uh-huh. Christ, I haven't seen it since I was like probably like fifteen or sixteen. But yeah, I was that, like a that kid. Might, that might be another. That might be one to bust out one of these nights. I don't think it made the AFI's hundred years one hundred. It should movies. have. <laughs> should have been number two. It'd probably be easier to make it through than Ben Hur, but <laughs> yes. Well, boy, that was that was very well done. Lots of information. I know more about Tanzania and Zanzibar than I ever knew before. That's fantastic, including that there's interesting taste in stamps. But you know, to each their own, I guess. Ooh, you okay? Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, that was a long. Thank one. you very much, Rachel. <laughs> yes, that thank was excellent. you. Thank you. Very well done. And to all the listener scripts. Um, we'll we'll, so we'll play. Know. We'll play this game next week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> next week will be an air disaster because I'm pretty sure all three of these are air disasters. Which is it going so, to be? Will it be your script? Who knows? Tune in next week to find out. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> exactly. So that was the MV Bukoba, and this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. <laughs>